Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It is February the 20th. It's the first day of the week for some of you, our federal friends, I suppose. We're going to get rolling on this week talking about Navalny because the left just can't seem to get enough of this guy. I went through and looked at every single major mainstream media publication this morning. We did CBS, ABC, PBS. Uh, We went through the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, and Fox. It's everywhere. Everybody is 100% into this guy, and I realized I don't know enough about him to have a strong opinion one way or another, so I did some reading. That's what I've been doing this morning, and I'm going to share some of it with you. There's an interesting video that's been rolling around, apparently from George Papadopoulos. Might add a little bit of color to it. There's some reporting from the BBC going back a couple of years. Might add a little bit more shade on this. Um, So let's take a look at that from all sides. We're going to also cover down on Donald Trump stuff going on in New York. There's the uh, maybe gaining speed, the boycott. And I'm going to let you guys know this is not actually part of the show so much as I'm just going to let you know that we did an entire episode yesterday talking about a boycott of New York, talking about the trans invasion of St. Patrick's Cathedral. And 21 seconds of our video on YouTube showed the New York Police Department dance team. And it had a cup, a little cut of a song for 21 seconds that they were dancing to. And that got the entire video blocked. On YouTube, I stream to YouTube only because I feel like, uh, why not? And there's a couple of you out there that are watching it <laughs> on YouTube every given day. There's somewhere between three and 15 people that come in and watch it. So we'll meet the audience where they're at. It doesn't cost me anything to send it there. But if you are watching on YouTube, just know every single thing that you have creators do gets censored, gets blocked if they don't like the content. And some people are allowed to grow. And obviously some people are not. Amazing to me that 21 seconds of what is considered fair use is enough to get the entire show on maybe a controversial topic to the YouTube types removed. Not demonetized, by the way. I'm talking about completely blocked, apparently. Yesterday's show will not show up. So anyway, that's not complaining. It's just letting you know that that's why we are over on Rumble.com, and you guys can join us there. Give us a thumbs up. Make sure you've given us the like button. And then also, if you would like to subscribe, there are about 100 of you that have subscribed to the channel. And the money that you get, I think it's about 5 bucks a month. I think that's the number. That's what I see. That $5 subscription goes directly to us. Uh, nothing touches Rumble's pocket. They literally give it 100%. They're the only ones that I know of that do 100% to so-called content creators, which I hate the term. But uh, if you do want to support us there, that is the easiest way. And I'll get uh, DMs and stuff from you all asking, hey, how do we support the show? Where can I go and make it? like 5 bucks a month? I'm not asking for a lot. It's $0.22 cents a show. You guys can come out here and support us there. So we really appreciate it when you do. And that's the way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Get a Rumble account. You'll be glad you did. There's some things on YouTube you can't find anywhere else. There's no doubt about that. But there's uh, free speech going on on Rumble in a way that nobody else is doing. And that's pretty clear. I might share a little bit about that a little bit later on. Um, And before we do, let's go ahead and do a sponsor. Let's talk about people that have been supporting our free speech since the beginning. It's my friends over at Patriot Coolers. So if you guys are not rocking a Patriot Cooler on the way into work in your cup holder, then you are missing out on a superior product that looks good and performs well. It is PatriotCoolers.com. Again, the website, PatriotCoolers.com. And use my promo code, which is Kyle. 
I use the same promo code everywhere. It doesn't matter if you go to MyPillow or if you go to Four Patriots or any of our other sponsors at PatriotCoolers.com. The promo code is Kyle. That saves you 10%. Uh, 50 bucks or more, you're going to get free shipping, and you can get yourself a handsome mug just like this one here in blue if you are so inclined. This is a nice-looking blue. It's got a really good finish on it. It handles really well, but this is too thick for most car cup holders, so I would recommend a 19-ounce if you're only going to get one and you want to carry coffee in it. Now, if you carry other stuff, you do what you do. Um, this is a great one for my desk. Maybe you've got one on your desk, too, at work, where you could just set it down and fill it up with an old-fashioned coffee pot. You know what's kind of funny? I was just thinking about I actually had an old-fashioned coffee pot that I brought in to my last office at the FBI, and I left it for them. So they're still drinking out of my coffee. Probably not out of my my Patriot Coolers, though, because I took all those with me. Again, PatriotCoolers.com, PatriotCoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Save yourself 10% and let them know that we sent you over there. All right, let's get started with where we're going today, which is going to be a roller coaster for starters we owe a correction, and, you know, we'll always eat the crow when we need to Let's start right here with CNN. And uh, Fannie Willis, Fannie Willis, we owe her a little bit of an apology. CNN now reporting, this is Zachary Cohen writing for them, that Fannie Willis testified that she paid cash during trips as she was sort of being evaluated for the scumbaggery of her prosecution of Donald Trump. One winery host remembers that she paid her bills in paper bills. So that's it, y'all. That's it. After spending more than two hours tasting wine at a Napa Valley estate with top prosecutor, with her top prosecutor, rather, on the Georgia election subversion case. Ooh, it's a subversion case. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis reached into a purse and pulled out about $400. Now, you'll remember, if you've watched this show, that she has cash. She just has it. She just has cash, and it comes from her purse. It lives in her purse, and it lives in her safe at her house, as much as $15,000. That's enough, apparently, for her to live on for six months. Um, is $15,000 cash enough for you all to live on for, for six months? I'm, I guess she doesn't have anybody else in her life to support. She doesn't have, like, a household full of kids eating anything. She's just, you know, going to Napa and paying cash out of her purse. Uh, she used the money to pay for two bottles of wine valued at roughly $150 each and a $50 tasting, which, according to Stan Brody, he hosted Willis and the guest he later learned was Nathan Wade at uh, Acumen Wines in early 2023. A couple things to be uh, that are interesting to me there. She's a she's $150 bottle of wine girl. Interesting. She doesn't make that much money. She doesn't make that much money to be dropping... $300 on bottles of wine. And the $50 tasting is also funny too. But, you know, she runs around in cash. She got that cash. This guy, now he came forward and told CNN that that he was surprised that she used cash because people, that, that made it a memorable transaction. He just happened to be this kind of person who was able to recall a complete stranger because he's a news junkie. I mean, obviously, this is not a seated story. This is not someone reaching out to cover for a woman who claimed that she just has cash and may or may not have admitted to some uh, some federal crimes, uh, election and election crimes, and and uh, and financial crimes because she just keeps cash that came out of her re-election campaign, and then she just keeps it in her house, and then she uses it to buy bottles of wine for some guy that she's uh, sneaking around with. Yeah, totally not, totally not nefarious or shady or random that this guy just popped up. Right? He just happened to remember because it was a memorable transaction. He, he watches the news. I don't know. I love these stories. I love the stories about when 
somebody says something so absurd that we just go like, what do you mean you just keep 15 grand in cash? Look, I, I'm all about keeping cash. I, when I used to be an FBI agent here, this is a personal story, but when I used to be an FBI agent, I would run around and I always had a little bit of cash in my pocket because I was constantly buying gym equipment. It was one of the cover stories that I used when I was on surveillance, go figure. Um, I was on Craigslist all the time. I always found out who was selling gym equipment and then I just built up this really cool gym and then I'd sell it and flip it as a side just because I was bored. And so I would buy weights and I would buy squat racks and all kinds of stuff. And I drove around in a pickup truck and that's something I did. It was my cover stops on the way home. You always want to make stops when you're watching bad guys, MS-13, or if you're watching, you know, like scumbags or potential terrorists, that they don't follow you home to your house because you don't need to shoot it out in your driveway. That doesn't sound fun. So we would do these cover stops and people would, you know, build up different quote unquote legends. And I'd have $1,500 or I'd have $2,000 with me, which is kind of a lot of money. And, you know, luckily I was always armed and I had body armor and a rifle and all the other stuff, but I would roll around with cash. Okay. So I get it. You get to have cash. But if you can't explain where anything is and you're reimbursing all of your trips in the least convenient way possible in 2023, I don't know. And then some random dude in California who just happens to be um, just happens to be a news junkie and he just knows that you reached into your purse and pulled out $400. I don't know. It just it doesn't, it doesn't ring real true to me. Anyway, I guess we owe her apologies. So there we're going to start with that apology right off front. And then the second thing is, is you guys remember we showed this video of Ann Coulter, right? Um, we showed it yesterday. I'm going to at least play the first couple seconds of it one more time. And this is Ann Coulter saying that she knows things that uh, you're not allowed to know. And then we're going to cover down on the New York Post, which is saying that you can't talk like this. So let's do that first. I mean, we don't know who did this shooting, by the way, the, the, the Super Bowl shooting. We have we, some idea. What? If it were a white man shooting, we'd know. Who? Well, we don't know, but they, I mean, they that's how we know it's not a white man. I can tell you that much. Do you think they were, they were repressing that reporting? They wouldn't tell us about the um, transgender woman that shot up the Christian school for what? Yeah, so they, they wouldn't tell you about the transgender woman that shot up the Christian school. They wouldn't let you. You're not allowed to say that stuff on, on mainstream and you're not allowed to go out there and call people that are completely unrelated to a parade and happen to have some kind of personal beef with some other person. And then draw a pistol or several pistols and get into a gunfight in a crowded area. You're not allowed to talk about those people being thuggish. You're not allowed to do that. In fact, that's very, very racist. So we we owe an apology for sharing that earlier. The, uh, the New York Post reporting that the Kansas City mayor accused the governor of a racial quote-unquote dog whistle. There's so many dog whistles around, you know? Some of these, these Democrats, they've got really, really, really good hearing. Do they not? I thought the whole point of the dog whistle was that it was so high-pitched that no one else could hear it. So either they're all dogs or they've got just this incredible supersonic hearing that they're able to hear. You know what I think, though? When you're able to hear all of the racist things and nobody else hears it, is that maybe because you have this racial tinge to everything else and regular people don't have that? Is that what's going on? In any case, a racial dog whistle calling for the Super Bowl parade shooters, referring to them as thugs. Uh, there you've got a little snappet there of the of the wild footage of the tackling, which showed uh, three sort of real dads of America. I would love to do that series. In fact, we may even do that at some point. Catholic Vote and I have talked about just the definition of masculinity being eroded. Isn't it the most man thing to do? We actually had an entire episode called the Super Bowl of Masculinity, but isn't it the most man thing to do that when somebody threatens other people, strangers, but also children specifically, that you as a man, your life is now forfeit, if it must be, in order to step into that gap. I think that's it. So why are we not seeing these three that tackled some a-hole that's running around with a gun shooting up strangers? 
Why are they not at the White House getting the Presidential Medal of doing a good job? <laughs> Whatever it is that Biden comes up with. Why do we not celebrate like real true masculinity? Now, they tackled some some scumbags who may or may not be referred to as thugs, depending on where you live. I don't know. I just feel like that's the job of a man. As my buddy said, and, and he's one of my favorite people. He's my old neighbor. And, and I'm going to describe him real briefly for you guys because... He's just one of those guys that when you meet him, you immediately are going to have some reaction. He's my height. He's about 5'8". He weighs less than me, but he looks like way more jacked than me because he's a power lifter and he's really strong. And he has a neck tattoo like right here in about three and a half inch tall letters in script. And uh, it's his wife's name, which is a wild thing to do. And, uh, and I looked at him and I was like, oh my God. And I saw him carrying a gun and I was like, oh dude, is this guy like an undercover? Is he just a scumbag? Like, what is his deal? Turns out to be just an awesome human being. Yet another uh, reminder that when you meet somebody, don't judge the book by the cover. They have covers for a reason, but you know, get a chance to read the page. One of the most interesting, clever, well-read human beings, as far as I know, did not graduate from college. Like so many of my really, really educated friends or well, well, uh, read friends, not educated specifically, but actually knows things, which is amazing. And uh, he said, what are you saving it for? I know I've said that on the show a couple of times. What are you saving it for, men, if there are women and children in danger? What are you saving it for? What is your hope? That you might die in your bed safely and comfortably? It's a nice dream. It is. I think we all sort of aspire to that, a life well-lived, surrounded by family and friends and everybody reflecting on what a good person you were. But wouldn't it be better if there had to be that moment? Wouldn't it rather be you than some kids? I don't know. Just where I sit. Let me read a little bit more of the story because, uh, like I said, we owe this. We're not allowed to use this. <laughs> They've seen uh, similar incidents of racism. This is the the Kansas City mayor. His name is Quentin Lucas. And he said that these types of racism show up time and time again. <laughs> because the governor has said we can't let some thugs take over and ruin what happened. I have respect for the governor. I get along well, the mayor says. But I strongly, I disagree strongly with how he would describe the situation. I do think it was criminal activity. I think it was lawlessness, and I think that's troubling. But thugs is a dog whistle in the most classic sense. Um, I think it says more about people that are concerned about racism that they want to claim the word thug. Thug is not a racist term. I'm going to just go on the record and say that. And I know that because as I was growing up, we used to refer to people in the government that abused their authority or that took authorities that they did not have as, listen for it, Jackbooted thugs. Do you guys remember that? That was what they called the ATF. They called the FBI. That was the whole thing that came out of Ruby Ridge, that came out of Waco, that people who were exercising and using authority indiscriminately, they were acting in a tyrannical way, that took on responsibilities that they didn't own. That was thuggish behavior. Thugs are simply people who use violence and power against the powerless or those who are less powerful. So if you want to own that, call that a black thing, which is exactly what's going on here, even though they're they're dancing around it with the racial dog whistle nonsense. Pretty interesting. Pretty strange. It's a weird thing to claim what we might call the weird flex, is it not? Is a weird flex? Like why why when you hear the word thug, I don't immediately think of black people. Not even a little bit. I think of people that have like clubs and you know that are doing that are that are acting like bullies. It's a, it's a standalone. And actually, yeah, you just did it in the chat there. Kim Wexler just called it out. Thug equals bully. And it is. Very strange. Strange times. All right. We're not done with that. Let's talk about some sort of thuggish behavior that's coming out of my other favorite. This is MSNBC. They are basically a, a one-man shop of putting out 
outstanding and competent information. You can set your watch by the opposite, all right? This, speaking of cell phones and weird flexes, there is a lot in this one right here. And I promised this in the show notes. The GOP keeps winning in its Biden investigation and hating the results. That is a truly hot take. Hayes Brown, their opinion writer slash editor. You know what we talk about. Whenever you want to move something forward that you can't like specifically claim, you always, I mean, literally always, you're going to lean on doing an opinion. It's an opinion. It doesn't represent MSNBC as a whole, even though it obviously represents MSC as a whole. So let's go to this little article here. The Justice Department is bringing two counts of lying. By the way, that is not a real thing. What they are doing are two violations of 18 U.S.C. 1001, which is false statements. That is not quite the same thing against an informant who accused Joe Biden and son Hunter Biden of corruption. It's the latest in bad news and what's been a bad year for congressional Republicans. They have to hammer this home. Republicans are really having a bad year. Why is that? Because it's an election year. Every two years is, is an election year for the House, but they have to be able to get that narrow margin back. And so they've got to they've got to basically pound out to the base and maybe to independents. If you're an independent and you are reading MSNBC for news, let me just insinuate that you've made some bad, foolish choices. Anyhow, the, the informant claims, which the uh, DOJ says are false, were the linchpin of House Republicans' crusade against President Biden. I, I don't think that's actually true. There's a ton of money and like what they're basically doing is they're setting up the straw man, are they not? We've done straw man shows. The straw man, it's an easily beaten argument because it's already been beaten, according to them. Although I think there's even a lot more to it. The informants claims, which were supposedly the linchpin of their crusade. No, they were just one data point in many, which is that there's a ton of money, that there's an awful lot of influence being peddled, it seems like. And it doesn't appear that Hunter Biden, a more or less skillless human being who seems only pretty good at walking around naked, carrying uh, weapons in dangerous places and spending an awful lot of money on drugs and prostitutes. When you are talking about that person as like the only thing you have is an unverifiable source someone whose name we didn't even have until this guy was indicted. All right. Rather than hurt the Bidens of the House, Republicans have more, have found more uh, that, I'm sorry, have more often than not used their power that leads to investigations backfiring tremendously. Alexander Smirnoff, who we talked about the other day, has been charged with lying to the FBI. Again, okay, false statements. Uh, was charged in the same special counsel that Republicans insisted be appointed to investigate the president and his family. All right, so this is the claim. The claim that they are making is the special counsel, who obviously is beyond reproach, even though that we've all sort of had issues with Weiss and the way that he's gone about this work. In fact, there are many allegations, including whistleblowers coming out of the IRS, saying that they were limited in their actual reasonable investigation to be able to go out there and find the factual patterns that needed to be established uh, to, to show corruption to show illegal activity, whether it be against Hunter Biden or Joe Biden being a part of it. They're, the allegations were is that the uh, the special counsel is not legit, but they're framing it in such a way, charged by the same special counsel that Republicans insist be appointed. Well, the Republicans insisted that a special counsel be appointed, but not necessarily this special counsel. And so there's a little switch. There's a little switch happening right there in that language, trying to tilt people. It's like, look, man, they asked for this, and now they're getting it badly. Well, it's the same thing as saying, like, I really need somebody to watch, you know, my children and I need it to be a good person. And then you end up getting somebody else appointing that and you don't agree with it. You're like, I don't know if that person's very trustworthy. They do something untrustworthy. They're like, well, you wanted it. Well, that's not quite the same thing, is it? 
Now, the other fun thing that I find is that the, the political left is continuously talking about the competency and the capabilities, and they are running all of this interference for the FBI. The FBI is their attack dog and is doing all the great work. And, and how dare you question the capabilities of the FBI? And yet the FBI had a, a source for 10 years that they paid a six-figure amount of money over that 10 years. It's not nothing, by the way. That's a lot more than most sources will ever get. That would be one of the higher paid, if not um, in sort of the top tier, I don't know, top 10% of sources being paid by the FBI. Many sources get paid nothing. I had sources that got paid nothing. They, there was no reason to pay them. They offered information. They were happy to do it. We'd buy them a cup of coffee. They would meet with us because they were motivated by concerns that the things that they were seeing were potential violations of federal law or national security threats. And sometimes they were right. So we would take their information. We would meet with people from think tanks. We would meet with people from universities that would volunteer their time to come tell us about potential bad actors, oftentimes non-criminal. And there's no money involved. We'll buy them lunch and they hang out. We'll talk and we'd appreciate it. We'd pay for their subway fare if we had to. We'd give them a phone. But that's not money. That's not six figures. That's not average of $10,000 plus a year. That's actually a lot of money for an FBI source, having seen it. So to say that this hyper-competent, you know, never-corrupt organization is going to pay someone that kind of money, and when you start getting paid that kind of money, there are two tiers of validation that the FBI does. They have a tier one and a tier two validation capability. And I, the, the, there's a vetting process where they will basically try to seed information to them and see if they actually act in an honorable way. They try to set these things up so that they do not get conned. And now suddenly after this time and suddenly when it's politically expedient for the Biden administration, you're going to see this guy indicted. I asked around. I've had retired agents that have, you know, as much as close to 30 years on the job. Nobody knows about this. And all it's saying is don't report to the FBI, which is actually a good message for people on the political right. Yeah, the FBI is corrupt. They can't be trusted. And if the winds blow the other way on something that ends up being political, because, by the way, political corruption of the left or the right shouldn't actually be a question of, of that the FBI is concerned about whether the answer is yes or no. It should be if you are corrupt, if you are taking public funds and doing things with your public position in a way that is unscrupulous, illegal, immoral, unethical, specifically illegal, they should be going after you. That's the game. That's what you're supposed to do. I was just thinking, uh, this guy was getting paid in cash in the same way that we think Fannie Willis was able to get paid in cash and probably got paid close to enough to live on for six months if you're Fannie Willis. So how about that? That's kind of fun. I don't know why that tied back into me, but it did. Folks, this is not this is not honest operations and it's not good at all. It's not it's not how you it's not the it's not the flex they think it is. And I don't think that the failure simply because the FBI has decided to go after what looks like awfully political. By the way, they did it in California where they were going to get a favorable grand jury, right? Where they were going to knock this person down. Intense. Intense and weird. It's a weird flex, MSNBC, but that's why you are the Democrat mouthpiece and the talking points sort of generator for that side. We actually have some Joy Reid to play a little bit later on, so we'll do that. Before uh, we run to our next sponsor, I actually wanted to show you this. This is just kind of the, the warm-up into it. This is where I start my day every day. So here we have Trump's deference to Putin is now more striking. We're going to talk about that just a bit. We're going to Obviously, we already talked about the Napa, the Napa Valley wine host. I don't know what a wine host is, but yeah. So this guy who owns a vineyard, we talked a little bit about that. You're seeing there's some information about Shark Tank. We're going to cover that from a different angle. And uh, there was this really big push about Gaza. I saw, I actually had a little clip of it and I, and I threw it out, but it was, um, it was on MSNBC's page, 
No, I think it was on CBS now that I think about it. The bottom of it was like five pro-Hamas stories. Quite interesting. That continues to go on. There's a little bit about Navalny in here. We're actually going to go deep into Navalny in a second. Uh, let me do a sponsor and say thanks to my buddies over at Contingency Medical. If you folks are thinking like, hey, I don't trust mainstream media. I don't trust pharmaceutical companies. I don't trust doctors in general. I don't like the way the healthcare industry works. This is a way that you can take back some of that power and put it back in your hand. Specifically, you can put it into your own physical hand, just like this. Uh, I just shared this with one of my buddies who's a doctor. He's a physician. He's one of my best friends from childhood. And he was like, yeah, I could, those are, that pretty much covers the, the broad gamut, the biggest number of things that you might have to deal with as a person and you can carry it around with you. It's not a bad idea. Now he's friends with preppers and like maniacs that are uh, physicians and all of them apparently are running around with like crash carts because that's all they know. They don't have guns, but they've got crash carts and epi and all kinds of other wild stuff. You guys can go to Contingency Medical and cover the basics, the main basics. Contingencymedical.com is the website. Again, contingencymedical.com. Just spell it all out. Use the promo code Kyle when you go to checkout. You'll save 10 bucks on there. They'll let them know that we came and, and, and told you about it. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about what's in the table of contents of this uh, antibiotic guide, which they give you there on how to use the antibiotics they give you. It'll cover... Common ailments such as animal bites, cellulitis, diarrhea, motion sickness, otitis media, that's ear infections, which really suck, uh, your typical RTI, your respiratory tract infections, strep throat, traveler's diarrhea, urinary tract infections, big deal for you females if you're traveling, that can be like one of the most uncomfortable. And if you've ever been a man with a UTI, it's awful. It just feels like you have to pee all the time. Like nobody wants that. And you can't function. And then vomiting, which for me, that's the biggest one. Carrying around a prescription of Zofran, fantastic. Uh, there's 10 doses of that in there, which is outstanding. Anyway, they give you all of these multiple different types of antibiotics. And then the best thing for me is they'll give you a course of treatment that you can obviously go and jump in uh, the telemed and the tech service. You have access to the doctor that prescribes it, so you can text them back and forth, which is great. But if... If you find yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, I need azithromycin, that's course A, and I've used it already. I've already used that out of my contingency medical pack. They will give you a secondary option of like, oh, you can also do this. So there's a primary and a secondary, which talk about the word contingency. That's what it's all about. I love that. I actually really love that quite a bit. All right, folks, we're going to keep pressing along here. We're going to press along and let's do Navalny. Let's do like a long block on this. How about this guy? Okay. So he's been lionized by the political left. He's been talked about by pretty much everywhere. This is a Reuters article that we're looking at. What we know about Alexei Navalny's death in an Arctic prison. This was written yesterday. And so they're just going to give you the facts, right? This is Reuters. I've actually talked to Reuters. I don't think they're just the facts types, but he was the most prominent domestic foe. We keep hearing that. But was he really? I, I don't have any way to validate that. I don't live in Russia. I would love, maybe we'll talk to Tara Reid and ask her. I have no way to validate that he was any way, any way, shape or form had enough people behind him as the quote unquote opposition leader. Like that sounds like leftist talking points. It sounds like Western talking points. In any case, he was incarcerated in a prison, a penal colony uh, north of the Arctic Circle that's known as IK3, also known as uh, something, what is it called? The Wolf Prison? Uh, the Polar Wolf. Sounds like a terrible place to be. It sounds awful. They show a picture of him in blue. I'm sure that's just by accident. He has that blue cold, like he's now ice cold. And uh, yeah, anyway, so they talk about where it was. His death was announced by the Federal Penal Service of the Autonomous District that's up there on February 16th. Penal colony number three. His name was, uh, he was listed as convict. Navalny AA felt unwell after a walk and almost immediately lost consciousness. The medical staff at the institution arrived immediately and an ambulance was called. All necessary resuscitation methods were carried out, but they didn't give positive results. So the doctors 
of the ambulance stated uh, that there was a time of death. Causes are being established. His mother is protesting this. She's 69 years old. I cannot pronounce her name. Looks like Lamelia. She was given notice of the death. She's asked for the release of the body. Okay, fine. So that's all kind of interesting stuff. I mean, it happened. But here's the real question that we always have to ask. What does Vladimir Putin, what does he benefit by killing off an opposition leader? Is that good propaganda value for him? I'm always asking, you know, he, he said it in his interview with Tucker Carlson. When you want to know who did something, you should always ask who had the capability. Obviously, the, the Putin regime had the capability. But then you always want to ask who's going to benefit from it. And who benefits more? Vladimir Putin, because he no longer has to deal with a guy that's in prison that's been convicted and is serving a 19-year sentence, as reported by the AP. I think I've got that up here, too. Is that right? There we go. Yes, there it is. Uh, protests, poisoning, and prison, the life and death of Russian opposition leader, continually called opposition leader. There are people that the United States government has propped up that are referred to as opposition leaders on a regular basis. I don't know that to be true in this case. I, I actually, there's only, I'm just kind of shading it around the edges because I don't have enough information because we're not in, in Russia and I would love to just do like a man on the street interview. I'd send uh, Mark Naughton to go ask like 50 Russians at random, what's with this guy? But when you're pushing an agenda so strongly across all these like so-called news wires and then you see all the, the talking points are all picked up, it is quite interesting. Again, serving a 19-year sentence for charges of extremism, he felt that well after a walk collapsed and died. Politician's team had no immediate confirmation of his death. Yeah, that would make sense. He was in prison. Is it great to imprison your political foes? No. Is the irony lost on the political left that that's what they're cheering for in this country? Yes. We're going to have a whole section on irony in just a moment. Um, but in the span of a decade, he went from being the Kremlin's biggest foe to Russia's most prominent political prisoner. This is per the AP. This is the way they said it. All right. And there's a little piece there about the actual uh, the prison that he's living in, which they did a story on that in December. Quite interesting uh, that this guy has gotten so much press. Jailed Russian opposition polit politician Alexei Navalny on Tuesday confirmed his arrival at what was described as the snow-swept prison above the Arctic Circle. Said he was in excellent spirits despite a, despite a tiring 20-day journey to get there. He posted on X... <laughs> are you listening to this posted on X via his lawyers so he has contact with like I don't know legal representation apparently after his allies lost touch with him during the more than two weeks when he was in transit with no information that makes perfect sense why would you have information while you're transiting 47 year old was sent to this prison again IK2 or IK3 rather which is known as the polar wolf and uh, he he's writing jokes saying I'm your new father frost I now have a sheepskin coat, an Ushenka hat, which I have one of those. Those are really great. And soon I will get a Velensky, whatever that is, Russian footwear. I don't know. Like all this guy is treaded out as being some sort of wonderful, great human being. And then interestingly, when he's less convenient, you get this stuff. Because it's not, it's not all perfection from this guy's camp. And for some reason, he was not as politically expedient to them in February of 2021 when the BBC wrote the following article. Amnesty International, you know that right-wing fascist group Amnesty International, strips Alexei Navalny of prisoner of conscious status. Interesting. Now, I've been hearing some, hearing some rumblings. There's some people that have talked about how this guy basically has said anything that people wanted in order to get money to have access to um, funding 
that he's essentially kind of like an empty vessel that would take on political ideology for profit. I don't know if that's true or not. I know that this, the spokesperson for the human rights organization in Moscow, this is again, Amnesty International, said it was bombarded with complaints highlighting xenophobic comments he's made in the past and not renounced. Told BBC that they believed uh, the wave of requests to delist Navalny as part of an orchestrated campaign to discredit Vladimir Putin's most vocal critic and, and impede Amnesty International's call for his release from custody. But on review, so initially what, what I'm getting at is that the Amnesty International thought that they were getting this sort of like targeted campaign to sort of delist him as a political prisoner. But on review, Amnesty International concluded that the comments made by Navalny some 15 years ago, including videos where he appears to compare immigrants to cockroaches, amounted to hate speech, which was incompatible with the label of prisoner of conscience. Hmm. He was almost killed in a nerve attack. This was going in 2021. He's now serving a prison sentence, widely seen as uh, punishment for his political opposition activism and bigoted backlash investigations into the corrupt lives of the Russia's rich and powerful. We've had far too many quests to ignore. We couldn't ignore them, says a spokesperson. Again, this is from Amnesty International. He said, uh, you know, he's never he's never disavowed his statements. And some people who are calling for the revoke of this quote-unquote prisoner of conscious status quoted this very long Twitter thread by Katya Kazbek, a freelance columnist published by the pro-Kremlin channel Russia Russia Today, which is obviously, yes, that's that's totally state media. Um, she posted a bunch of controversial videos after his arrest in January, describing him as an avowed racist and accusing supporters of whitewashing his so-called nationalism. She describes herself as a feminist, an LGBTQ researcher, and a citizen of the world, but her posts also praise Stalin and echo Kremlin claims that he's controlled by the U.S. government. So that's interesting stuff. That That's not for nothing. Just another ang angle on it and the idea that a leftist group, this is Amnesty International, is not willing to back you up. That's kind of strange. Now, there's this video floating around online right now from George Papadopoulos. I don't know the context of gathering it. I'm showing it with knowing that we should distrust it, but it's an interesting data point. So we take it with the grain of salt that it deserves. This is a hidden camera recording and ostensibly with an MI6 officer, a case officer, which is to say an intelligence um, representative from MI6, the British Intel Service, and Alexei Navalny at a restaurant where he's asking for money. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but it appears that he's asking for money to start essentially like a cover, color revolution or a coup in Russia, which would be pretty good grounds in general for you to be thrown in prison for extremism or anything else. Like if you were taking money from a foreign government in order to throw overthrow the United States, you might expect the same treatment. Maybe not in today's. Maybe uh, depends on who you are, but let's listen to this video. Just kind of take it for what it's worth. Would be, uh, we would expect our activities, of course, with uh, a little money. If, if somebody would spend, I don't know, 10, 20 million dollars a year on supporting this, we would see quite different picture. And this is, uh, you know, not a big amount of money for people who have billions at stake in this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the message that I'm trying to project in my you know, fundraising efforts and talking to people in business community and so on. Yeah. You need to play on different chatboards. Comments yeah. products, civil initiatives, um, propaganda, establishing contacts with 
the elite and explaining to them that we are reasonable people and not uh, we're not going to demolish everything and take away their yeah, assets, yeah. things like that. So we'll see what comes out of that. So this broadly describes what I do. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, not not a small uh, not a small <laughs> job. <laughs> Yeah, and it's uh, not a small job, is it? This, this taking this. Uh, I like that he calls it a small amount of money, just twenty, ten, twenty million dollars. Yeah. So we just need ten to twenty million dollars, and we need to be able to just do some propaganda and get some mass protests and some civil unrest, and just get some people going that could that could understand what it is that we're trying. And we're not going to demolish the business community. We just need some of their money. We just want to extort them. Uh, you know, these people are billionaires is essentially what he's saying. Very interesting. And I apologize that, that it's such a loud clip. The only way that you can um, boost the audio on these kind of things sometimes when there's a lot of crowd noise, unless I put it through some real filters. We just didn't have time to grab that. So in any case, that's what you're hearing. Um, I haven't heard anyone say that this is a uh, manufactured video, that it's false. And these kind of meetings, that looked like and sounded like a source meet of which I've been on. They, they sound just like that. It's a guy kind of picking at his food and they're not really hungry, but they might as well eat. And if you do it all the time, then it becomes a little bit more normal. And the guy's making a pitch. Sources more often than not are attempting to influence as well as inform. And that goes even further when you start talking about the way it works overseas. Domestically, um, and that's why this this whole information about discrediting the, this uh, this Alexander Smirnoff guy is interesting to me because, of course, you always look at them with a grain. Like, they're asking for something. Why are they telling you something? Is it for money? Is it for ten grand a year? That's not nothing. Would you be willing to have a couple of uh, dinners with somebody for $10,000 a year and have a nice, friendly relationship and know that you've got some favors in the FBI? Like, that's a pretty good gig. And it tends to be, especially if it goes on long term. That's not a ton of money, but it's some money. Now you've got this guy out there asking for, you know, nothing more, just 10 or $20 million. And we're just trying to get rid of of this of this dictator, this uh, this Putin situation. I don't know. I, I just think looking at the wider picture and the broader picture, it's totally worth doing, and we should obviously not be not be unfamiliar with the information that's available to us. And that's another shade to it. Like I said, Amnesty International and this that tells us the other side that we're not hearing everywhere else. It's worth it's worth looking into. So we'll continue to to kind of keep an eye on it. Um, I want to say thanks to my friends over at fourpatriots.com slash Kyle. If somebody does manage to pull off civil unrest, propaganda, and protests. We've never seen anything like that, right? 2020, that was pretty recent memory. You might want to have a stockpile of some ready-to-go calories that keep you from making panicky decisions. And you can do that by going to the number four, four patriots, with an S on the end of it, fourpatriots.com slash Kyle, or just use promo code Kyle at checkout. They're all over on social media if you guys are watching. They've got gadgets and gizmos. You can get some, you know, solar options to keep your your communication devices, that's always really big. But I'll tell you what, um, on the hierarchy of needs, when it comes to comms versus like it's air and then it's water and then it's food and shelter, like those things are, you need them. You you can't go without them. And uh, as you go through any kind of survival course, you learn that. The nice thing about Four Patriots and the stuff they have is that their packaging is meant to last for up to 25 years. 
And that's a long time. So this is not something you're going to, you know, buy and then cycle through and you have to make sure like your beans and your rice where you know you're always eating it. No, you can buy it, hold on to it, and you can stockpile it for, I don't know, a decade before you have to break it out. And you'll be really happy that you have it when it happens. Your dollars probably aren't going to be worth any more in a crisis than they are right now. Again, forpatriots.com slash Kyle. Check them out. Support our sponsors and uh, make sure you support yourself so you're not in this like crisis mode when things get weird. If someone decides to do a color revolution, you never know. It could happen. Um, has it happened? Have we seen that already in this uh, this country? In any case, let's kind of move on to the Trump comparison. They'd be foolish not to kind of cover down on that. And here we have it. The Daily News from New York talking about this sort of controversy. God forbid Donald Trump compares him, compares uh, Alexei Navalny's death to his own legal woes in the United States. I saw some significant pushback by the leftist types on Twitter losing their ever-loving minds. He stopped short of condemning the death of the Russian opposition leader, but he drew a curious comparison between it and his own legal troubles. The sudden death of, this is quoting uh, Donald Trump, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country. It's a slow, steady progression with crooked, radical left politicians, prosecutors, and judges leading us down a path to destruction. Open borders, rigged elections, grossly unfair courtroom decisions are destroying America. We are a nation in decline and a failing nation. Obviously, he goes on to say MAGA 2024, I'm pretty sure, because I've seen this. This is on Truth Social. Many of you may have seen this yesterday. Now, the, the, the left lost their ever-loving minds over this stuff. But how can you not see this thing in an unironic, like the lack of sense of irony that the political left has is, is, is sort of stunning and shocking. We're talking about the so-called opposition leader of Russia, this hero of the people. He got like a couple hundred people to show up to a protest. Donald Trump could get that outside of a courtroom. Even if he didn't show up and his attorneys were there, he could get a couple hundred people to show up. And so you've got a guy who's prior actual leadership in this country, Right. Donald Trump, the former president, ousted in 2020, running again, and now the political left running and lionizing not just um, all the things against him. They're also making cover stories about Fannie Willis and her pursefuls of cash that she runs around with because everything has to be on the up and up as they try to put him in jail for how, how long? Oh, his whole life until he dies. So to die in prison... And to see someone die in prison and to face the threat of dying in prison, how would you not, how would you not draw an immediate comparison that what Trump is talking about is, is so obviously, it's so obviously a parallel, whether it's a one-to-one -one analogy, I don't know, but it's pretty unreasonable to say that it's a curious comparison. It's like slap you in the face, obvious comparison that the man who is facing life in prison who is the most popular candidate on the alternative side, right? That guy, he's not allowed to, to say, and, and he didn't appropriately condemn Putin. I'm more and more open to the idea that there, there are plenty of ways where Donald Trump doesn't crush it. He doesn't say the right thing in the right way. But his lack of comment on things about, about uh, Putin, we've already seen Vladimir Putin say Trump is more unpredictable. Why? Because like he doesn't outright condemn him, but his actions are not favorable to Russia. And Russia didn't act out in the same way. Also, having an open dialogue with a guy, unlike what you're seeing going on in the Biden administration, seems preferable. I'd rather the president of our country, the person that is actually duly elected to step out there and make negotiations and discuss treaties and to have agreements with other nations, be the person that does it instead of this old clown show of a human being who doesn't uh, even understand what's going on, letting the CIA do it and uh, the State Department, which can sometimes be the same thing.
Like, is it better that the that the the professionals are the ones that are handling this? That's literally what the deep state is. The deep state is a group of people that work in a that 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 supersede um, administration policies because they they outlast every administration because they know that they're the experts and they've lasted longer. That's what a deep state is. The administrative state is more accurate. People that know that look, there were presidents before me. Whenever you hear someone say, "I've served under five presidents." There's two things we can know. Okay, fine. You've been there for a long time. But on top of it, most importantly, they've also lasted and their agenda will continue if they have an agenda and they choose to use it, which many of them do. It's quite relevant to notice that when you are letting the government agencies run your statecraft, you're not going to get the same thing as whoever the person is that's sitting in the White House running it. And Biden's sort of like when the Biden administration doesn't feel like they have to be hands on. When they don't have to be hands-on to the way that we're running our statecraft, it just tells you that the policies that happen in the State Department, in the CIA, already align with what they're trying to accomplish. Isn't that sort of the indictment? We noticed that basically Donald Trump fought tooth and nail constantly and was being attacked by the executive agencies that theoretically he was in charge of, whether it be FBI, CIA, NSA, whatever these groups are that are working against him. And then you see they don't have the same friction. They don't have that same uphill battle when we're talking about what's going on with um, with the Biden administration. Interestingly, one of the few agencies that did seem to be kind of like pushing back were groups like Border Patrol and CBT. They were, they were on board because they got to do their jobs under Donald Trump. That's actually pretty good. I don't remember them being nearly as dissatisfied. And then you see what's going on today where those people are basically hostages in their own job. Anyway, look at the way that people are willing to delegate and who they're willing to delegate. It tells you an awful lot about what it is that they see going on. Um, of course, Donald Trump's position is super dangerous and it's really bad. And uh, the, you know we've got media like losing their ever-loving minds about it. Of course they are. And so let me just go ahead and talk about this little gem. This is from that main page that I showed you, the CNN main page, U.S. division over Putin's Russia present a grave implication globally. The U.S. is now split by a fault line over Russia. That could, have be, that could have far graver consequences, global implications, than even condemning Ukraine to defeat. Oh, really? Wait, so wait a minute. If we don't all get on the same page about Russia and Ukraine, we're going to have this happen? People need kidneys. It's sad but decreed. Yet the senator's hoarding one more than she needs. I offer this bill and I hope you'll vote aye. Unless, of course, you just want people to die. Apparently, we just want people to die if we don't have complete consensus as Americans. Like, you're not allowed to have your own thoughts. You won't be shocked to learn that this piece is coming from Stephen Collinson from CNN, who is my favorite, and I disagree with pretty much every time he opens his mouth. I can pretty much set my watch to the opposite of it. But it's worth knowing that the refusal of the pro-Donald Trump Republicans in Congress to extend a military lifeline to Ukraine is going to make people die. And the former president's return to attacking NATO. Now, that's quite interesting because there's also a piece in the Washington Post that covers this exact topic. So you have to be condemning of Russia if you want to be American per CNN. And you have to be uh, 100% rah-rah like a NAFO, the, the North Atlantic Fellows Organization, who are some of the biggest clowns that you'll ever find online. This is from the Washington Post today where democracy dies in darkness or it just dies because these people have no critical thinking. Trump in power is literally the section and Trump didn't quit NATO. Wait a minute. The lead part of this is Trump didn't quit NATO. 
but a potential second term alarms his allies because there's no evidence for something that they're worried about. This is the greatest way of describing how leftist fear-mongering happens. Would you agree? This is full-on amygdala porn, which is to say we are trying to sound the alarm on something that hasn't happened. There's evidence that it wouldn't happen again based on previous evidence. In fact, we would always say that the easiest predictor of future performance is past performance, right? Future actions can be basically looked at, and you can say, oh, okay, well, it didn't happen in the past, so we can at least say there's a reasonable bet that it won't happen. The former president's longstanding view that their European allies should bear more of their own defense costs could come to a head if he's elected again. Yeah, Honestly, like, no shit. <laughs> how, how stupid do we have to be to think that the people who benefit from NATO the most are arms manufacturers and then, like, the people that NATO defends? The United States doesn't need NATO. Certainly not anymore. The Soviet Union's gone. I'd be for it, getting rid of it. I actually 100% behind the Donald Trump policy on this. The possibility that Trump, now the Republican frontrunner for the 2024 presidential nominee, by the way, uh, very amusing when Washington Post calls him now the frontrunner. Like he's been the frontrunner since he decided to enter the race and even before then. The fact that he could turn his back on the U.S. closest military, diplomatic, economic, and cultural partners exploded back into the headlines on both sides of the Atlantic this month after he suggested in a campaign speech that he would encourage Russia to do whatever the hell you want. That's Trump speak for pay your share. Otherwise, we're not going to be part of your stupid club. That seems totally reasonable. Biden responded. It's dumb. It's shameful. It's dangerous. It's un-American uh, coming from a guy who wants to put his political opponents in jail for life. So they die. So thanks, Joe Biden. Really appreciate that. Uh, how many cuts did it take for him to do this ad that he's just uh, apparently released? A hundred? How many days does it take to get Joe Biden good enough to do like a 60 second commercial? Do you guys wonder? In any case, Trump's provocation delivered brashly to a cheering crowd of thousands. What does that tell you? Thousands of people in Conway, South Carolina are open to the idea of ending NATO because NATO probably should have ended in the early 90s when it was no longer relevant. You know, like maybe hold on to it for a year or two and make sure that the Soviet Union wasn't going to reform. But it was done. You accept like, the victory or not. Maybe if it's not about actual a, uh, a treaty organization that is for mutual defense, maybe it's more than that. It's about a bunch of money going around and uh, the United States basically, again, supporting Europe because leftist elites love Europe. They love it. That's why they have homes there, don't they? In any case, um, it's very interesting to me that this, is, this continues to be a talking point where they basically point out over and over again, it's the same claim as the dictatorship. You know, Trump may not leave office. He might not leave office if he gets in again. He may never leave. It's like, you know how I know he'll leave? Because he did it once. And he thought, that was an un he thought that was an unfair election and he still left. Did he not? How many of us thought like, oh, 2020, that election was pretty garbage. That didn't work out right. I, would, I don't have the hard proof on it. Neither do you, most of you. The reason I know you don't is because otherwise something could be done. But you don't have it. But we have a really strong instinct that it wasn't on the up and up. There's too many anomalies that weren't investigated by the only people that are supposed to investigate. Again, who is that? That's your deep state apparatus. That's the people who span many, many, many presidential administrations. Those are the people like Timothy Tebow, the assistant special agent in charge of the Washington field office, who removed supposed Trump supporters from their jobs on the election fraud task force after they'd been there for 10 years. Why? Because they had nine kids or seven kids and were probably either Catholic or Mormon and thus conservative and thus a Trump voter. Do you know the number of jumps you have to make to make that reasonable? And then do you know how illegal it is to actually remove somebody based on their political beliefs when they've shown no bias in their work? That's the organization that we're talking about that was charged with making sure that the election was actually legit and they didn't do it. I know they didn't do it because I worked in that building. 
the people that complained about it are still scared to come forward. Do you know why? They're scared shitless of their old organization. They're afraid that the FBI, even though they've retired from the FBI and no longer get paid by the FBI, they get paid by OPM, they're still scared that someone's going to come and pull their pension because they speak out against what the FBI did when they knew it was wrong. You want to talk about the opposite of being a suspendable? It's when you actually retire, take that blood money check that you basically shut your mouth and got paid for your silence, and you're still scared. Cowards die a thousand deaths, folks. Every morning when they wake up, they die it. I'm glad that many of you are here and you don't do that. You don't die those thousand deaths. I wouldn't wish it on anybody, honestly. I really wouldn't wish it. I wouldn't wish working at that place right now in an organization where you know that you are just waiting to catch a knife in the back. And they're still there. Like... Think about a job that you've walked in. Think about any job you've ever dreaded going into. We're going to keep moving on in just one second, but let me just belabor this point just a bit. Think about any job that you've ever dreaded walking into. And there's definitely jobs that we've all been there where you're like, I know I'm going to get fired. I know it's coming for me. And I didn't do anything wrong. I got fired from a job at uh, Georgetown, the, the um, what is it called? Uh, Williamson County. I was working for Williamson County for like two weeks. I got fired because I was a man who rode a motorcycle and I wasn't a gay. I wasn't like a gay effeminate dude. I showed up for every interview that you do in a, in a government job in a suit and driving a shared station wagon that my wife and I had. So I showed up in a station wagon in a suit. I was very palatable to them. And then we only had two vehicles that were functional at any given time. And we had the, we had the mini or the station wagon and we had a motorcycle. That was my motorcycle. And so I showed up for my first day of work in leather, like you would, it was like a, you know, respectable leather, but like I had professional clothes underneath and I had my, my my uh, leather jacket and a helmet and gauntlets and boots. And the boots were professional for wearing for work because I was doing paramedic work. And I showed up and every day since the first day I got there, I, I was like, oh God, I'm going to get fired. The woman who ran it was this like really butchy lesbian. And you could tell that she only wanted women around her. In fact, I knew that because all the men there were incredibly effeminate and all the women there were like pretty. So she hired for that. And I was there for like a week and a half and they fired me for no reason. And every day I dreaded it. I dreaded going in. How many FBI agents are going in every single day and dreading going into that office the same way that I did, looking around where you're like, at any moment, the hammer could drop or the knife could get in or I could get pulled in. Like when, when your boss goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Uh, cl close the door. And that, that sinking feeling happens. How many of these folks, how many of these folks that work for the Bureau are just dreading it? And they're like, hey, I just want to talk to you about your source work. And they're just like, not today. Shame on you if you're dealing with that every single day. And there's plenty. I know that there are plenty of you out there that deal with that. It's awful. And there are better ways. Go find an OIG job. Just saying. Go find yourself an OIG job and get out of this evil, corrupt organization. All right. I want to keep pushing onward on the Navalny thing um, only because there's a couple other little fun stories that were out there. This is coming from ABC News. The Kremlin has rejected calls for an independent postmortem on opposition leader. Here's that word again. Once again, it's been marched out. The Council of European Union of the Union, European Union called on Monday for an independent examination uh, for his cause of death. They need an independent autopsy of a Russian citizen who died in a Russian prison. Can you imagine the audacity of this? Right. And then, of course, on top of that is the next piece of it, which comes from CBS, which says that Biden says he's considering sanctions over uh, the, the Russia's death of this opposition leader that they keep showing. The amazing thing to me is this. Can you imagine the balls on the European Union, looking over at the uh, the neighbor that they're deathly afraid of, that, that we pay for their defense of in NATO, and saying that you must, Russia must allow an independent and transparent international investigation into the circumstances of his death. 
His unexpected and shocking death is yet another sign of accelerating and systematic repression in Russia. Look, let's take it at its face value. Let's say that he was, in fact, an opposition leader and that he was murdered for political purpose, which we can't see any benefit for Russia in that because it's a lot of bad press. But let's say that's what happened. And we didn't have some intelligence uh, operation to out him because then you get a lot more death. You get a lot more traction with a martyr, by the way, when you want to go after them. And and one of the things that makes me even more nervous, I've got a video from Lindsey Graham here in just one second because there's a political end to this, which is pretty disgusting. And almost anything Lindsey Graham says makes me want to puke. So here we are thinking about this. They're going to demand an independent postmortem, an autopsy. Who the hell are they? Imagine if like the the Union of Central American States Panama and its buddies got together and they decided that they wanted an autopsy of someone that died in an American prison, like an MS-13 leader. I don't know. Somebody. What? Like, I would take them the same way. Of course, they're going to reject it. But the way that it's written makes you think, well, obviously, Russia should do it. I mean, there's an independent postmortem. Who's going to be opposed to an independent postmortem? Maybe people who say that they reject your ability to tell them what to do as a sovereign nation. I just... I'm always looking for both sides of this stuff, and it doesn't appear to be honest in any way, shape, or form. I despise it when that happens. And here's the little tell that makes me even more suspicious. Listen to this little piece from Lindsey Graham. Why don't we do this? I just got off the phone with uh, two Democratic senators. Let's make Russia a state-sponsored terrorism under U.S. law. Let's make them pay a price for killing Navalny. It would allow the Navalny family to go to U.S. court and sue Putin's Russia for killing of their loved one. A state-sponsored terrorism designation is a game-changer. It would allow more sanctions. It would open up the American courtroom. Do you expect legislation on that this week? Yes, absolutely. President Biden told Putin, if something happens to Bali, you're going to pay a price. President Biden, I agree with you. The price they should pay is to make Russia a state sponsor of terrorism like Iran, Cuba, and North Korea. They deserve this designation. Uh, Putin's been killing people, opposition leaders, for decades now. He's dismembered Syria. He's one of the world's worst actors. He's an indicted war criminal. You guys believe that? Does that work for you? You going to get behind uh, Lindsey Graham? Is there popular support for that idea? Or is that just a Democrat talking point? How interesting. You want to call them a state sponsor of terrorism. That's, that's pretty rich. But demonization of Russia. We're seeing an awful lot of it. It's the reason why even, even going and talking to Vladimir Putin makes you a potential terrorist that shouldn't come back in. Folks, if you haven't done so already and you are still with us here, and we appreciate, I see that the uh, the chat continues to keep growing. Go ahead and give us a thumbs up here on Rumble. Give us a like. We'd appreciate that. If you want to subscribe, you can go to the bottom of the chat and you'll see that there's a follow button. The follow button means that you will just get notifications about what we're doing. The, the subscribe button means that you're going to uh, throw five bucks in the, in the hat, and we appreciate if you guys want to do that too. Both of those are options. I'm very interested when Lindsey Graham comes out in support of something in the so-called bipartisan. When the rhinos and the warhawks are really into it, I'm basically going to set my clock against that as well. I don't like it at all. Um, the good news is we're not going to leave you on just negativity today. I won't do that. Let me show uh, a little bit of interesting stuff. This is coming in from Fox News. And then uh, this is also a reason why to leave New York. Look, like, And the good news that unfortunately I'm telling you is you just have to leave New York. New York is trash. So uh, part number one, this uh, Fox News reporting that uh, the Trump fraud ruling reveals that uh, there's an assault on people who own real estate in New York. Mm, you mean like the people who actually built the city? So you've got this guy who goes by uh, Mr. Wonderful, but that's not his actual name. His name is Kevin O'Leary. He's on Shark Tank and uh, he's a real estate investor. He says that what we've seen and sort of the uh, the ruling against Donald Trump is going to drive businesses out of New York, not just in a boycott. Literally, the people who build the city that make sure that the uh, the biggest properties are what it are, like what it is, like the skyline exists. He's saying um, 
You should basically be moving to places like West Virginia and Florida and North Dakota. Those are all winner states if you want to run a business. And California, New York, and New Jersey are loser states. I think that that is objectively obvious to those of us. And if not to just sort of solidify that, there's a really interesting article here from Slay News, which I'm not too familiar with. But uh, I saw this from Tracy Bean, so I actually trust the reporting here. New York is moving to begin vaccinating children without parental consent. You know, because not only will they take your business and shut you down, not only do they think that uh, they can go after victimless crimes just because they don't like your politics, we are now looking at a world where uh, they also think that they should run your kids. Why not? Yeah, they should run your kids. They should be the ones that make good decisions. They obviously know better than you do. You just, um, you know, conceived and gave birth and raised them and fed them and managed to keep a roof over their head and educate them and gave them all the things that they needed to have. But, you know, Democrat lawmakers are going to be better off making better rules for them because you're just a, a, an ignorant rube who doesn't like vaccines, particularly when they're experimental and under emergency youth authorization. Democrat lawmakers in New York state are pushing new legislation that will allow children to be vaccinated or put through surgical procedures. Oh, there's the tranny piece of it without parents consent. Lawmakers uh, behind this deeply misleading legislation argue that minors should be able to make their own decisions about medical treatments. Really? Minors aren't even allowed to get cigarettes. They're not allowed to buy firearms. You want to just open the game up to it, like both full anarchist libertarian moves where people under the age of 18 can go buy guns and booze and pornography. I mean, let's see it. Make that state. I don't want to live there. That's going to turn into like a um, that's going to turn into one of those escape from New York scenarios. But why not? Let's do it. Let's have you experiment with New York where you have no controls over children and see how that works out. Anybody who's raised children know this is a terrible idea. You don't let them make major decisions because their brains are not formed. That's the reason why we don't want to have younger voters. That's why we don't need 16-year-olds. You know what? The, when I was a kid, the average number of kids that were involved in an accident from the time that they turned 16 and got a driver's license to the time that they turned 17 was 50%. It was 50%. Half of every single child, and you are a child at 16, whether you like it or not. I was too. And I was one of those, by the way. I wrecked a car. I wrecked my dad's car and he loved it. And I felt really terrible about it for my whole life. <laughs> In fact, I gave him a truck at one point <laughs> because I felt, and he turned around and sold it. Ah, what a strange thing to do. But you can't let kids make decisions. They make terrible decisions. They have awful ideas. They'll stay up all night and they'll eat candy, which is funny one time. If you do that as an adult, like you will die. You will eventually die at a very young age. You will look terrible. And anyway, proponents of the legislation like the leftist American Civil Liberties Union of New York, gotta love it. They're not willing to stand up for free speech, but they are willing to stand up to make sure that um, kids can make their own decisions for vaccines when they're very, very impressionable and, and have no understanding. How about informed consent? These people have no sense of that. Again, Unbelievable. Just another reason to move out of New York. All right. So we're going to do a little bit of uh, bad news and a little bit of good news here as we kind of wrap up. This one's coming from my friends at Catholic Vote. So I'm going to go ahead and plug them real quick, too. Folks, you guys can go to CatholicVote.org. The website is CatholicVote.org. They are called CatholicVote.org. And they are a faith-based group that uh, does advocacy for faith, family, and freedom in the United States. They are running a... Uh, political campaigns, they run a news service, and they have great versions of both of those. They've picked Donald Trump as the candidate they are endorsing for president, so that's not a bad thing for those of you that are the MAGA types. Um, Catholic Vote, you don't have to be a Catholic to be part of it. This is a lay organization unaffiliated with the Catholic Church. They don't get money from the Catholic Church. In fact, probably the Catholic Church wouldn't like how hardline they are on conservative, real conservative policies. And yet, uh, they're the kind of people that I know to be the kind of Catholics that I want to be around. They're great people. I got to spend some time in Florida with them. And let me just throw it out there. CatholicVote.org has the best news source that you can get 
on a daily basis. Get the loop. I'm telling you here, I would not lead you astray. I would tell you this even if they weren't uh, giving us money to support our podcast. They've like I'm not even sure they watch the podcast. I'm not sure they have any idea that I even do these these uh, plugs for them. In fact, I'd, I'd guess that many of them do not. They have no idea, and that's totally fine with us. They've never censored anything. They've never asked me to say anything. All they've said is, uh, hey, tell people that we support you, and they do. And they're fantastic. Get the loop. If you guys have not done it, go to their main webpage at catholicvote.org. Type in your email address. Type in your zip code. Get the loop. And boom, what you're going to get is outstanding information, including some like this. A lot of it is helpful. A lot of it is bad news. It's the same kind of stuff that we cover here. Uh, So let's start with this little story. This is coming from their own loop reporting. I pulled this right out of the loop today. Okay. This one is bizarre. A uh, a pro-life group in Texas, America calls for the University of Houston to remove a satanic abortion idol. Really? That's what we're doing right now? I, I had to go look up pictures of it because they didn't put it on their web. Uh, maybe they don't want this kind of garbage on there. This is the abortion idol. It's called Witness. I actually looked up a little bit of information from the person who made it. American, born in Pakistan in 1969, is the artist. It's called Hava, To Breathe, Air, Life, 2023. I guess it was in New York, and they're doing another version of it here. It's a multimedia exhibition. Um, it's a major work themed on justice. Every time I hear that, I know it's going to be garbage. I absolutely know it. It's an exploration of the female representation. Oh, my God. It's just all disgusting. Um, and the claim is, according to this group, it's an 18-foot-tall statue of a female figure with braids shaped into goat's horns and arms like tentacles. The bronze statue will wear a lace collar in imitation of Ginsburg's recognizable style, obviously a huge abortion advocate. And so the Texas Right to Life group has uh, called for this thing to be removed. Uh, they are they are protesting against it. It was previously displayed in Madison Square Park last year and was denounced as a pagan idol to abortion. Again, the, uh, the artist said that the statue is meant to promote justice for women, which they mean killing babies. Um, she added that it was a response to the court's reversal of Roe v. Wade and a tribute to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was notorious for consistently ruling in favor of the pro-abortionists. So there you have it. <laughs> I love this. A luminous figure as a nod to Ruth Bader Ginsburg with the uh, detail adorning her collar. With her death and the reversal of Roe, there was a setback to women's constitutional progress. And so obviously they need to push forward by putting uh, pagan idols out there with goat horns on their heads, because that's how women actually look. Um, no, I, I don't know. Like these women seem to have not met real women. They all seem to be trying to push along awfulness that they that they want to have other people experience the same sort of awful garbage that they uh, live in. And, you know, I'm sad for them, but I just don't want them making any decisions. All right, last thing, a little bit of good news. This is kind of interesting. This is an interesting push. There's this constant battle, the tug between dark and light. The spiritual battle continues. And in the same way that I said, I actually, by the way, hold on, I'm going to just cut away. I listened to my show that I did yesterday while I was lifting. I I went and did um, just a little bit of kind of spot editing. I wanted to hear how it sounded coming out. And I re-listened to the audio of the trans activists in the the church. It's St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. And when you listen, and those of you who are audio listeners, you already know this, but those of you who are watching, go back and listen if you choose. You can find it on Apple and on Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever. Go find your podcast app and listen. And when you listen to that actual stuff, they sound like demons. The jeering and the cheering and the laughing and the yelling, they sound demonic to me. Without any context, if I wasn't hearing anything, if I wasn't seeing that it was a bunch of people standing in a church wearing fishnets and stupid hair, if it wasn't that, what it sounds like is like the soundtrack to every single scene of hell that I've ever seen. Those people are in their own personal hell right now, which is why even though they brought their own personal hell into a church, I'm not mad at them. I actually pity them. I continue to pity them. Being so upset about people doing these things 
Um, I think outrage is appropriate, but pity is the bigger thing because they are living in the saddest, the saddest possible reality. And they chose to basically debase their friend's death. I continue to not be mad at them. I can't. It's like watching your toddler throw a tantrum and saying, look at me, pay attention to me. Isn't what I'm doing great? I'm going to break your stuff. I'm breaking your stuff. And you're like, you're breaking your stuff, man. Like, I don't, I'm sad for you. Your stuff is your life and you're over there debasing your life. What's sadder than that? What's sadder than you debasing your own life because of your awful decisions and because you needed like more hugs? My wife and I used to always laugh. She's a, like, she's a big fan of really, really hard rock, like metal and some like really dark stuff that I, I just thought was really angry sounding. And I, and I used to laugh and I said, why do you love the daddy hug me music so much? And, uh, and, and now she calls it that too. It's like, if you're really like, I listen to pop music. You guys will laugh at this, but I love, I love pop music. I love classic rock music. I like folk music. I like some electronica because it's just like, it's, it's got a beat where I can go and, and work out. I don't listen to hard, heavy rock. I don't listen to angry rock unless it's incredibly melodic and really smart. Like I like, you know, things like, um, I like Sabbath and I liked some of the, uh, the stuff from, uh, like Iron Maiden, but it's because I like the p poetic nature of the lyrics and the melodic progressions. It has to actually be good music anyway, but the daddy hung me stuff where it's just like thrashing guitars and just angry and beating on, like, I just don't want it. I don't get it. And I feel like it's the same thing that these people had this, that daddy hug me attitude. It's a sadness. All right, let's talk about this. Frozen embryos are children the Alabama Supreme Court just ruled on Friday. Frozen embryos are people and someone that can be held li and people can be held liable for destroying them. It's a decision that reproductive rights advocates say could imperil. Listen to that. Reproductive rights advocates. Again, this is from Washington Post, so take your take your poison where it is. But <laughs> reproductive rights advocates, also known as anti-baby people, could imperil in vitro fertilization and affect hundreds of thousands of patients who depend on the treatment like that for, for years. Listen, there's a, there's a strong move to state that there are people that are not called to have children. We used to actually know that. The Bible is full of women thought to be barren that, were had, that had miracles. There are many women who were thought not to be able to have children. My mother-in-law said that she didn't think she could have children, and she had my wife, and it's a miracle. And it's a miracle in my life every day. So this is, this is a complicated problem. But it's very interesting to see an Alabama Supreme Court make a ruling saying that these embryos are people. And thus, it says, they said, uh, it applies to all children, born and unborn, without limitation. Whoa. Okay. They can be considered as babies under the wrongful death act, the wrongful death of a minor act, which is uh, Alabama law. Very, very interesting. I'm sure it'll be appealed. I'm not sure where our Supreme Court, maybe they leave this to the state like they did before. But the idea that they are not exempting the unborn life from legal protections, very interesting. It is a fight back against a lot of the darkness. Pretty impressive. Okay, I won't leave you guys on a terrible note. Uh, by the way, I had a video here that I didn't play earlier, but I'll just play it. This is, I think this is actually the mainstream media uh, wearing all dark. They're actually fighting against Donald Trump tooth and nail, both in the courts and both in the court of public opinion and with the government processes and prosecutions and so on. All of these things are happening. Uh, I guess Donald Trump had this response. So it's kind of interesting. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Yeah, the original um, 70s, 80s political prisoners that we all used to celebrate, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, is, is that a great representation? I don't know, but I just found that funny. I've been holding that on my desktop for a little while, so I shared it. Okay, here's a song that's been in my head. I want you guys to uh, follow this guy, if you can, on um, on X. It goes by Peace Dozer. Yeah, Peace Dozer. You remember the Kill Dozer? That was the, the, the entire uh, bulldozer that was lined with... Um, 
with concrete and steel. And then the guy went and he like let people know that he didn't love his government. Uh, this is the peace dozer. So instead of having a, sh- a blade, it actually has a peace symbol. Uh, and he's he's an amusing musician. He's in Chandler, Arizona, which I have some fondness for for people in Arizona in general. And uh, anyway, we had a little interaction on Twitter and I listened to the song. It's been in my head. I wanted to play it. It's known as, um, I think it's known as the Kenosha Kid, but I would call it the Ballad of the Kenosha Kid, subtitled An AR on a Slang. And if you watch closely on the video, you'll notice that Mr. Peace Dozer, in fact, actually has an AR on a Sling in the video. So I'm going to play a little song here and you guys can follow him on YouTube if you're so inclined, if you're still dealing with that platform. And uh, I think you'll like it. It's a great song. In the town of Okanosha, marched some troubled rogues one day, who held hammers high above their heads and looking for a fray. No one dared to ask their business, no one dared to make a din, save for one young man among them with an AR on a sling, AR on a sling. In this town there were some outlaws bound to the teachings of the red, Many soy boys were among them as were trannies overfed. They were vicious, prone to violence, burning gas stations and more. And their leader rode a skateboard rolling swiftly on the floor, swiftly on the floor. Now young man started talking, made it plain to folks around. Ooh, he was there to stop the mob from burning businesses to ground. Didn't look much like the tough guys, save for one important thing. And that thing, of course, an AR riding taught me honestly, taught me honestly. Now the night was passing quickly as the mob proved wielding flame. Ooh, and the youth called out to halt them when they spotted him as game. He was running down the pavement when a loud caused him to trip. And tempted the soy leader with the skateboard on his hip. Skateboard on his hip. It was over in a moment as the folks had gathered round. Ooh, the skater sought the rifle as the youth lay on the ground. Oh, he might have went on living but forgot one major thing. And he fell out shot to buy the kid with an AR on a sling. AR on a sling. to buy the kid with an AR on a sling, AR on a sling. <laughs> oh, and he walks off. I, I cut away. Sorry, but uh, that wouldn't have been good for our audio folks. Yeah, walked away and you can see the AR on a sling. They are on a sling. Maybe he and I will do a collab because I really like that song. Yeah, um, a cover of the song Big Iron. Can't uh, can't go wrong with that. Folks, if you want to follow him, it's Peace Dozer. I want to... Uh, I want to at least give credit where credit's due when we borrow something from somebody. And uh, yeah, he's got a growing YouTube channel. Knock yourself out with that. All right, uh, that's today's show. We really appreciate it. I want to remind you guys that we have a merch store. As you guys can see, I'm wearing the light duty hoodie. You guys can follow and uh, join something at the merch store. Maybe we'll send some merch out there to my friend Peace Dozer. This is the-dispendables.com. Again, the-dispendables.com. The promo code is Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Save yourself about 10%. Uh, you can also buy some of the pins that we have, which are still still available on the website. Pins are the easiest way to go throw, throw something on something nice. You can wear it on a dress, ladies. If you're looking like, hey, I'd like to wear regular my regular clothes, but also go suspendable status, you can buy one of our pins, or you can buy three of them for 30 bucks, which is a great idea. Support the O'Boyle Family Sweatshop, and you guys can, uh, can again, use that promo code, K-Y-L-E, at the-suspendables.com. Let's go straight to 
five-star review. We really appreciate it for all of you guys. We had him come in again last night. Oh, no. How did this turn upside down? Stand by here. You can't be reading things that are upside down. That makes no sense whatsoever. All right. Hold on. I can't believe we did that. Hmm. I'll read it upside down. I can't believe I put it upside down for you guys. All right, let me throw it over here on the screen where I can see it. Go figure. Uh, this is from Ask Wyo, which I assume is Ask Wyoming. Uh, great American. Here, you know what? Let me just throw it back on the screen. Can we do that? I don't want to lose this. This is a good. This is a good review. There it is. So let's just make it big enough we can read it. <laughs> Live show. How we go? All right. It says thank you for all you do. Really enjoy your show. Download it every day along with Dan Bongino's. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Notice you make reference to people's hair color. Due to my curiosity about the world around me, I watch science and discovery shows quite often. And I have taken something about the colorful animals in the world, like the tree frogs and some lizards that have multicolored mouths. I think it applies to the modern day homo sapiens. The louder the color, the higher the toxicity. Just a thought. I think, uh, I think we tend to agree with that here. I think we do. Yeah. Got the the nature the 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 animals in nature warn us, and so do the animals in the human kingdom. Be cautious of those that decide to wear really really wild colors on their face or in their hair, or they put pieces of metal like they should be restrained and setting off things. Yeah, let's check them out. Let's keep an eye on that, uh, folks. We do appreciate you joining us. Thanks for watching today. We will see you again tomorrow for the Weird Wednesday. And if you have not subscribed, please do so. We will see you again. God bless. Have a great. Great Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.